Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine and More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine and More. Welcome, everyone, to the NBA podcast. We are back after a summer hiatus. Hope you are all doing well. Joining me today, as always, are both Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How's it going, guys? Season two. (laughs) Season two. How's it going, Sarah? It's going great. It's good to be back. You recovered from Timmy retiring? No, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) We, we will touch on that in a few weeks. We, we're here. We're going to start doing the video. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Vision previews every week uh, leading up to the season. So today we're going to start with my beloved Atlantic Division. And uh, to give Sarah and Morton a break, I'm not going to lead with the Sixers. We're actually going to start off with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, well, you know, let's be honest, they're going to be very bad this year. They lost Thaddeus Young. They traded him on draft night. They are very much in the very beginning stages of a rebuild. But I'm kind of sneaky excited for them. What about you guys? They're going to be bad. Hashtag analysis. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Uh, but but I do like you. I think they could be exciting, especially if Caris Levert is healthy. Mm-hmm. I think he he is really intriguing. The fact that he was taking at twenty might have been been a reach. But let's be fair. If he had been healthy all throughout his college career, he probably would have gone a lot sooner. Yeah. So. I kind of like it, and I say a whitehead is kind of like that guy who can just score. He can mm-hmm. go in and get buckets. Anthony Bennett is kind of intriguing. Uh, like, he's back in the league. Let's see what he can do. I don't expect him to suddenly become, like, the what the first-round pick should ever become. I still expect him to be a tremendous bust. Right. But if he could just find some sort of solid ground. And then, Brian, I know you like Jeremy Lin. On I that do. roster, and I agree with that. I think Lynn with free reign, 
back in New York. There's going to be a little bit of insanity going. And I'm already... It's, this is the first episode of season two, and I'm already going out on the limb because that's just how I roll. I think <laughs> Jeremy Lin could average about 22 points this year. Wow. Yeah. Well, there's no one else to score aside from Brooke <laughs> Lopez, so <laughs> that's fair. I, I do love Lin this year. I didn't realize that their new head coach, Kenny Atkinson, was with the Knicks during Linsanity. So it's not yeah. like totally preposterous to think that he at least knows what fueled Lynn during that time. And it's not going to be like Lynn's time in LA with Byron Scott, where Byron refused to let him run pick and rolls, even though that's all he does. That's like what he's good at. So, Oh, yeah. right. he played for the Lakers. I totally forgot. Yeah, about that. he sure did. He played, he was like D'Angelo Russell before D'Angelo Russell, <laughs> <laughs> the point guard that Byron Scott would not let play to his strengths. So Man. yes, I, I am very excited about Jeremy Lynn. Uh, Sarah, what do you think happens with Brooke Lopez this year? How long do you think he's in Brooklyn? You know, I was kind of surprised when you guys said that because it hadn't occurred to me that he might move. Um, I don't know. That's kind of sad if, if he goes, but I guess they, they pretty much need to blow that up and start over, which they have mainly done except for him. So, yeah, yeah, I guess I wouldn't be surprised. But it's a shame because, you know, he's he's a really good low post player. He can stay on the floor. Um I don't know. What you guys think he's going to go rather soon? I suspect so. Yeah. yeah, he's their best trade asset. I think it's it's kind of kind of necessary. Even mm-hmm. that's a big word, but I think it is. Uh, mm-hmm. They they really have to start over in some way, and Brook is is the perfect way to do that. Also, side note: I love the fact that you use the word "sad," and especially that you combine that with the fact that he plays near the basket. This just has Tim Duncan written all over you. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're just sad. Whenever a big man who plays near the basket is going to get traded or, or something this year, you're just going to be like, "That's sad." It doesn't yeah. matter if he's been there for three months. Like, that's so sad. He played near the rim. It hurts so man. much. It really, it really does. And did well, you, you see? There was an article that just came out yesterday by Buck Harvey, who writes for the San Antonio Express News. And he talked about Popovich moving on with a hole in his gut. And it's like, Aww. why? Uh, why? <laughs> yeah. I was feeling pretty good yesterday, and then that happened. So that, that was, I mean, I haven't read it, but you know what got me? That was when R.C. Buford started uh, tearing up on mm. Bosch's podcast. God, and yes. they had to end the interview. Man, look, <laughs> I'm six foot four and way over 200 pounds. Let's just keep it to that. Way over. <laughs> And I was sitting there finding myself crying like a little bitty girl. That was really, that was so touching that R.C. Buford had created this dynamic relationship with Tim in those years. And, and he was just, he, it wasn't the fact that he missed a, ter- a terrific player or a Hall of Fame guy. It was his personality. It was mm-hmm. the day-to-day. It was Tim the person that he sort of in that podcast realized he's not going to be around every day. And I'm really going to miss that guy. So that really got to me. And look, we're already away from Brooklyn because they are so boring that we have to go in and talk about Tim Duncan. Let's let's just really... try to give Brooke Lopez a chance, huh? Yeah, they're really excited, guys. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think uh, I'm with you, Morton, in thinking that Brooke Lopez is not long for the Nets. But I don't. I don't think that's necessarily his fault. It's just a reality of where Brooklyn is. And by the time they have a competitive team, he's going to be way past his prime. So yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, if a contender loses their big man to a long-term injury, 
if the Nets are the first one on the phone and say, you give us a first-round pick for Brooke Lopez, done deal. Because remember, next year the Nets can swap picks with the Celtics, or I should say the Celtics can swap picks with the Nets. Mm. So, you know, the Nets are almost certainly going to have a top-five pick. The Celtics are almost certainly going to make the playoffs. So it's they're going to have a mid-to-late first-round pick versus a top-five pick. In 2018, the pick just goes to the Celtics. So... You know, right now, the next two years, they have one half-decent first-round pick to look forward to. So, you know, they, they need to accumulate assets however they can. Um, and I think, you know, uh, I really like what the new GM, Sean Marks, did this summer. I think he was really creative in the way that he tried to, you know, replenish the young talent pipeline. You mentioned Karis LeVert more at you know, mm-hmm. I, I agree. If that dude stays healthy, he's a lottery pick. Um, yeah. And then Isaiah Whitehead, Brooklyn native, they traded up with Utah. They traded $3 million to get him. So I don't think, you know, I think he's going to have a role this year. I don't think that was just a, you know, a bench stash for three years down the road. I think he's a kind of guy that they're going to need, especially with the holes they have on offense. Like, it would not surprise me to see him average at least 10 points a game. Um, and then, you know, they tried for Alan Crabb and Tyler Johnson, right? Yeah. And then those offer sheets got matched, but like it, it reminded me so much of Sam Hinkie and we will get there soon, but (laughs) it was just, he really pursued every avenue he could to build out that team. So I'm, I'm impressed with the Nets, honestly. And I think, you know, going from Billy King, who is a tire fire uh, to a guy who actually seems to have some sort of a long-term plan. like I, I think Nets fans have reason to be optimistic, just not necessarily this year. Well, March just possesses the gift of logic. That's basically it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, mean. I guess that... See, I, I really do wonder how much King was just operating under that five-year championship window. Remember when Prokhorov took over and he's like, oh, we're yeah. going to win a title <laughs> in the next five years. Yeah. And then they make that KG trade, which I feel like is a owner mandated move perhaps so like now maybe prokhorov takes a more hands-off approach says like i have no idea about basketball i realize that we <laughs> we can't trade away four future first round picks so i'm gonna trust my new gm so so how long did that take for for prokhorov to actually take that stance because i'm i'm asking for a sacramento fan <clears throat> yeah, that, yeah that's gonna <laughs> that, that that's a work in progress um, anything else you guys want to add about the Nets or should we move on? No, to... I have one thing and that okay. is, is there any other team than the Los Angeles Lakers that's going to end up with Brooke Lopez at the trade deadline? I think it's Ooh. like a slam dunk. Yeah, I would. <laughs> They're probably they going to move one of their future picks is my right. guess. If they didn't just sign Timothy Mozgov for a truckload of money, I would See, say that was, is a. I was a, hoping you were going to say that. Because then I have the perfect rebuttal. 2005 Knicks under Isaiah Thomas. They signed Jerome James based on one good playoff series. <laughs> and everyone is like, Jerome James, really? And then afterwards, Eddie Curry becomes available because of a heart mm. issue. And they trade mm-hmm. for Curry. And they say, well, then we have two centers. Don't matter. Get buckets. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Get buckets. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's very possible i could also see i mean if clint capella doesn't pan out in houston that would be a fun spot for lopez to go 
Oh, that's right. That's actually not bad. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with Brooke Lopez and the Nets this year. But <laughs> I, I stand by it, Nets fans. You have something to look forward to. And in the short term, you got Lynn Sanity coming back. So that's exciting. Uh, so let's just move right to their crosstown rivals, the New York Knicks. And Morton, I'm just going to turn this over to you since this is basically the Chicago Bulls just on the New York Knicks. You know, what do you what do you see happening with Derrick Rose and Joe Kim Noah in the Knicks? Do you think them plus Courtney Lee and Brandon Jennings are, are the Knicks a playoff team? How far can they go? Well, according to Derrick Rose, they might not <laughs> lose ever, and it's right. a superstar team. So yeah. And you know, how can I argue with a former MVP? Um, <laughs> no. Look, remember when I accidentally laughed last year when, when uh, Sarah mentioned that the Spurs had signed Powell? <laughs> accidentally. And, and, yeah. and you guys were pretty upset, which was <laughs> fair. I really I really need to laugh a little bit at the idea of someone giving Joakim Noah $72 million yeah. at this point. Like, here's the thing. I love Joe. Joe is like one of my all-time guys. Like, not players, but guys. A guy mm-hmm. I want in the locker room, a guy I want on the court, just a fighter, tremendous heart, so so much versatility. But you can't give up $72 million for a guy who's shown so little over the last two years. He just can't. He's got knee issues, elbow, oh, no, uh, shoulder issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just such a gamble, right? I mean, I could see it pay off if everything has, you know, becomes perfect. It, it, so many things has to go right, is what I'm saying. Right. But I don't think it will because when does it ever for the Knicks? <laughs> what was it? The year where they played the Pacers in the playoffs and everyone thought they were going to get out of the second round. That was that was the closest it's been oh, for yeah, that's right. a long time. Uh, Sarah, do you have any more optimism than Mort about this, these new new look New York Knicks? Uh, probably not optimism, <laughs> <laughs> but I was trying to think about like watchability. How watchable are the Knicks going to be? Mm-hmm. And I realized most people are probably not excited to watch them. I would say excited is not the word for me either, but (laughs) I'm sort of intrigued by what they've got going on there. It's like, obviously, Rose is not MVP Rose or even All-Star Rose at this point. But, you know, him, Joe, Mello, and of course, Kristaps. I mean, they're not going to be, like, super fun to watch, but... They could be like a throwback modern version of like the 90s Knicks that were just scrappy, you know? Yeah. Like, they're just yeah. going to play hard. They may not be great, but they're really going to fight. So, I don't know. They're they're kind of middle of the road watchable. They might be worth tuning in every now and then. Yeah. I mean, I I might just be really high on the Atlantic, but I, I also think the Knicks will be fun this year. I mean, I you know, I think Brandon Jennings is going to be a sneaky good signing for them especially given Rose's propensity to get hurt a lot. You know, mm-hmm. having Jennings, who is a proven starter, having him, you know, in theory he's going to come off the bench to start the year, but he's available if and when Rose does get hurt. So they won't just totally sink like a stone. Like, I think that's been their biggest problem the last couple of years is had Jose Calderon as their point guard. That's Do you terrible. really want to go with the proven starter argument for Jennings, though? I mean, he's not, like... He's still young, right? He's 26, 27. Like, I'm not willing to totally throw out any hope of him being a decent NBA player. 
Oh, no, no, he is a decent NBA player, but you called him a proven starter, and I have to object. Because okay. he's a chucker who doesn't hit shots, and he has the tendency to not be able to run a team all that efficiently. His frame is very, very slight, which always makes him a problem defensively. Mm-hmm. But I get what you're saying. There's more stability, maybe, in getting him as opposed to Rose, who can't shoot. He does yeah. offer something unique that Rose doesn't offer, and in that sense, I agree with you. I, I would just point to what, what did he hurt? He he hurt his Achilles. Was that right? I think so. Okay, so before he got hurt, he was playing in Detroit, and he actually looked really good for that, yeah. like a two month stretch. Yeah. So that I mean, you know, Achilles injuries. I think I'm pretty sure he hurt his Achilles, and th- those are not easy to come back from. Like very rarely do you return to your peak after that type mm-hmm. of injury, but. You know, even eighty percent of Brandon Jennings again is way better than Jose Calderon. Yeah, so, no, I agree. I, I think there's optimism there, and then the same thing with Willie Hernan Gomez. You know, we don't know very much about him, but he's a big body. Like he gives insurance behind Joakim Noah. So I, I will credit the Knicks for you know there is certainly risk involved in the moves they made this off season with Rose and Noah, but. They got some pretty decent insurance policies, which is forward thinking on their part. Courtney uh, Lee and Justin Hamilton, or sorry, Justin Holiday, are mm-hmm. two guys I love on that team. Justin Holiday, they Courtney, really came yeah. out of his shell in Chicago last year, mm-hmm. and Courtney Lee is just so utterly stable; it's insane. Yeah. I love him on the Knicks. He's like he's going to be their stabilizer for sure. Yeah, yeah, and, and they can be there. JJ yeah. Redick type player <laughs> exactly and they if any team out there needs a stabilizer it's the knicks <laughs> that's like he's gonna be the heart and soul come end of the day yeah just like jj it's it's actually a pretty good comparison right there jj didn't really find his game until he came to the clips no i, I mean mm-hmm. that's 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 putting it harshly because he did have a game but he really discovered it yeah when like he, he, it, he, he fills up. a niche there yeah. Whereas in Orlando, like it took him a couple years to really get into a groove, but since yeah. coming to the Clippers, like, yeah, Courtney Lee is very much the same type of player. Like, you don't want him as your number one or number two or even number three option on offense. But with, you know, Rose, it, theoretically the starting lineup is Rose, Lee, Mello, Kristaps, and Noah. Like, mm. Lee is your number four right there. Yeah, and there he makes sense. Like, he's just a good floor spacer at that point. It's a good pressure release. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sarah, what do you think happens when year two of Chris stops? <laughs> well, I'm hoping, you know, we see him take another step. Um, that would be the goal. I'm really excited about it. We don't have to worry about him playing at a position, right? Hopefully, anymore. Knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he's going to bring, if anybody on that roster, he'll bring a little bit of the razzle-dazzle. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm excited. Yeah. I I mean I have not heard Hornacek saying he's gonna play Kristaps in the three, so that's that's encouraging. We'll we'll keep our fingers crossed that there's no none of that nonsense. Melo at the two, Kristaps at the three. Come on, beat us, <laughs> beat us with your small ball quickness. I mean they're gonna have to counter the Sixers six ten and above lineup, so that makes sense for them to have something like that. Morton. I'm assuming, 
as a Jimmy guy, you were watching Team USA steamroll through the Olympics. Do you think Mello becomes more like Team USA Mello with the Knicks this year? Well, no, because there isn't a shortened three-point line, and he's not playing <laughs> with utterly ridiculous talent around him that Fair. gives him that many open shots. But I do think that Melo now has some talent around him that kind of complements him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we all crab on Rose a lot because he's been injured, and right. and, and <laughs> last year he didn't even get a training camp. Uh, he had like in the, during the first practice. Josh Gibson, Josh Gibson hit him in the face and his yeah. face was broken and you know but here's the thing Derek is still unpredictable off the dribble and I don't yeah. mean that as a bad thing because defenses have no idea what he's going to do he's so creative and even though he's not like an elite finisher there is no team out there who dares to just let him go one on one and get to the rim like mm-hmm. even if it's a coach before the game is saying, you know what, just let Rose take those take those drives. He's he's not hitting them at a high clip, whatever. That shaking and baking will just dare big men to come collapse on him. And based on that, I could see Melo getting a lot of kickouts, which was a theme um, during the Team USA games. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, then there might be some elements of that. The thing is, Melo has to sort of adapt a little bit to Rose handling the ball a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's... I'm pretty bullish on Melo in a slightly reduced role. Like, in terms of fantasy basketball, he is going to be worse than he's been in years. And even last year, he took a step back in that regard. So, Mm. any any listeners out there who play fantasy basketball, stay away from Melo in the first couple rounds. Um, But yeah, I mean, I feel like his efficiency is only going to go up because he actually has real, real teammates around him for the first time since really that playoff team, since he had Shump and JR and Tyson Chandler around. So And Joe can pass, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Like, I I don't know. I, I wouldn't, would not surprise me if the Knicks are friskier than, you know, I feel like national reputation says they're the Knicks and they're just going to collapse because Rose and Noah are going to get hurt, but... I you know I I could see a forty win team, in a best case scenario here. I could even yeah, kind of I mean, see like, could you see Derek like cutting off of a mellow post up, or even like I don't know if he he would do that or even like down the middle, while Mello is out on the block or extended block. It's like I feel like they could help each other in that way, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking slash hoping we will see Mello defer a little more and not have the same pressure, just on him. Yeah. The handoffs, especially like yeah. if you can use Mello as a screener, and right. also like the guy you can dump the ball into. And if he goes high, you can give the ball to Mello. Rose can cut, get it, get the handoff, and then he can just speed to the basket or create separation with that six step away that Rose, after all, does still have in his mm-hmm. repertoire. I mean, he he is one of the best in order to separate himself from the defender. So if they can find that sort of symmetry, that's actually a very good point, Sarah. That that could be a huge difference, especially if you have Courtney Lee in the other corner, right? right. Spreading the floor and Kristaps just moving about. And then Joe, who's actually a, a threat just passing-wise. Like, you can't really leave Joe Keem in that sense because if he gets the ball, he can fire a tornado. And I'm not talking about the jump shot he has, but <laughs> it's a tornado pass to someone cutting. He'll find him so... he. You know, that's why you see guys defend Noah close. 
Yeah. So I, I agree with that logic. I think it, it's it's going to be interesting. I don't think the Knicks are going to be a playoff team, but I do think they, they could be on the crusp of it. Yeah, I agree with that. And yeah, that was a really good call, Sarah. I, I'm excited to see the synergy between Rose and Melo because it feels like Rose is often his best off the ball. Like he's such a good cutter that they really need to take advantage of that. And I have faith that Hornacek will. So guys... I think it's time. Let's talk about my Sixers. My... Five-minute limit. <laughs> you guys can spend the next 15 to 30 minutes trying to talk me down from being sky-high on the Sixers. No. In all seriousness, I you know this is very, very much still a work in progress, which I am more than happy to admit. But... This is probably the most bullish you can be on the team since Sam Hankey took over because they actually have a real basketball team this year. So, Sarah, before we go into the two big guys, talk to me about Dario Saric. What do you expect from him this year? Dario's going to give you a little bit of everything. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) you know, he can can scrap, he can rebound. He's got a decent shot. I mean, he's going to be fun. And I'm not the one to talk you down because, <laughs> frankly, like I would rank them most watchable out of this whole division. <laughs> wow. I want I want to watch them more than anybody else in the group. So, um, yeah, I'm super excited. Just because I like creative players, players who want to like make the fun pass. So mm-hmm. obviously Ben Simmons is really exciting to me. Yep. Um, you got Sergio. Yeah. Like, I was just thinking the other day how fun it would be. This is stupid and hypothetical, but um, if they had Teodosic, like, I think they should just, obviously they'd have too many point guards, but I think they should just play like a whole point guard lineup because it, <laughs> it worked so well for the Suns a few years ago. <laughs> but but I think that would be fun. But really, though, like people who want to share the ball, especially for a young team, it's so great for morale. Like everybody's mm-hmm. going to enjoy themselves. Hopefully, they don't get too down with the losing because right. you know obviously it's not all going to come together right away. But they have a lot of talent. I hope you know they stay healthy. I hope Embiid can play. They could be a lot of fun to watch. So a lot of yeah. fun. Still no pressure, so there's that, and a right. lot of a lot of young talent. So. Well, Mort, Sarah failed at talking me down. <laughs> so please, please rain on my parade about the Sixers. You, you don't want me to do that because I'll just remind <laughs> you that Joel Embiid has missed his last two years and you don't have Sam Hinkie anymore. You did it. You did it. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> so how old is Embiid now? 29? Feels like he's been in the league forever now. It's yeah, still no appearance. I yeah. think he's about 45. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to talk you back up. Okay. Joel Embiid, if healthy, is probably one of the most intriguing big men the league has seen over the last 10 years. And mm-hmm. the the supposed uh, spurt in growth over the last two years yeah. is admittedly intriguing as hell. Yeah. If he's a legitimate 7'2 right now and about 270, but an athletic and, sl- and strong 270, mm-hmm. then yeah, he's got all the physical tools to succeed. Like and if he can stay healthy, and I'm not gonna put that pressure on him right now because, again, two years away. Then if he could start laying the groundwork to becoming one of those game-changing big men. Then this then the Philly will have something right off the bat. Then they might actually make some noise right off the bat. And that's not something usually associated with the Sixers. Right. 
Wow. So you, you both failed at talking me down. You, you, you temporarily did more, but then you cheered me right back up. I mean, look, Ben Simmons can't shoot though. That's true. That's there. There are definite issues. I mean, I'm not going to like, I, we just did a thing for today's fast break with a a couple guys and I are doing a Sixers round table for preseason predictions. And I said, I think I said 26 and 56 or 25 and 57. Like I do not have high hopes for them vaulting into a playoff contender overnight. I mean, there's still a bunch of young guys like Simmons, Embiid, Saric are all rookies. Timothy Luau Cabarro is a rookie. You know, Sergio Rodriguez hasn't played in the NBA in five years. Um, I don't think Embiid... I mean, they, they've said it. They're, they're going to be very careful with Embiid because he has not played a competitive basketball game since March of 2014. So they're going to... You know, it would not surprise me if he starts a season with like a 15 to 20 minute cap. Hmm. He's probably never going to play in a back to back before the All Star break. You know, I don't have high hopes for him coming in and like having a Carl Anthony Towns esque impact where he is averaging 18, 10, and 2 every night. Well, he you won't know? need to. Right. That's, That's true. That's the key. He, as long as he just keeps himself active defensively, you know, you have guys who can take care of the rest. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I mean, he's in a position, they put him in a position to succeed, and I don't think they're going to put too much pressure on him, which is great. Yeah, They have openly talked about Ben Simmons. They're not going to install him as the opening night starting point guard. They're going to let him be a point forward first. So it's not like he is not going to have any ball handling responsibilities, but they're going to let Jared Bayless and Sergio handle some of the work. You know, I'm actually pretty high on Ger- Gerald Henderson. I mean, I I just think having any semblance of a real backcourt is going to be huge because, you know, last year it was TJ McConnell, who I, I love him, but he's no better than a third-string point guard. And then Nick Stauskas, who maybe played defense for like five possessions last year, maybe. Yeah. So just having a real backcourt, I think, is going to go a way for you know the Sixers to actually have a chance in some of these late games. And the guy I'm keeping an eye on is Robert Covington because I think just having so many ball handlers that, and guys who can fuel the transition attack, like he's going to be left open spotting up for three a lot. And he struggled the past two years with his efficiency, but he's a guy who could average you know 15 points, two threes, two steals a night. Like he's... He, he, he flies under the radar because he plays for the Sixers and the Sixers are terrible, but he's a great defender. Like, he is the primo 3 and D guy. Like, in 2018, when he's a free agent, he is going to be highly coveted. And I think the next two years, he's going to only rise on the national consciousness. Sarah, I really shouldn't speak up uh, or talk the Sixers up to Brian, should I? Mm-mm. No. <laughs> no. Please I kind of have to right now, though, because <laughs> you are a little bit nervous about the team. Not Or not nervous, that's a bad word, but you, you said you're not expecting big things because they're young and whatnot. And I just, yeah. I'm sorry, I just have to do this to you so you get your hopes up a little bit. Because then it's so much fun when they don't, they don't live up <laughs> it's to it. It's not going to work. <laughs> the 2004-2005 Chicago Bulls. They made the playoffs with rookie Luol Deng, rookie Ben Gordon, Rookie Chris Duhon, rookie Andres Nocioni. I mean, 
yeah, they, and rookie Jared Rayner, and then a lot of like fourth or third or fourth year guys. So, you know, just saying. It's within the realm of possibility. I'll give you that. But see, that's called inception. Yeah, <laughs> I'm giving him an idea. It's gonna, it's gonna grow nice yeah. and easy. It's gonna linger in the back of his head, and then come April, when Philly loses their fiftieth game. He's going to go completely ape during a podcast, and we're going to love every second of it. This is called planning. That was smart, yeah. yeah. When they start 7-4, and four, I'm going to get my hopes up. And then Those Bulls say. actually started 0-9 and, and finished oh. with 47 wins. Just saying. All right, there we go. <laughs> I was going to say more. They're gonna be, we're going to be two weeks in, and he's going to be like, we're going to the conference finals. I yeah. know it. Yeah. <laughs> No, oh, I'm just waiting for the Ben Simmons is going to have like the magic rookie game, like 42, 15, and 7 in the finals. He's going to start at center, <laughs> play forward and guard. He's going to do it. I'm looking forward to Brian overhyping the living hell out of this squad. It's, As my it's wife be. can attest, I only do that for the Eagles. I can keep a straight head on for the Sixers. But right, the Eagles. The Eagles do have that magic. It's like yeah. Super Bowl every yeah. year. And then, yeah. <laughs> That's like it oh dies we're seven and nine again. Yep. Oh great. Okay, cool. I, yeah. I am however curious, Brian, you only suggested two threes a game for Covington? I'd say I mean he's like at least two. I yeah. like he he shot I think I think he took at least seven per game last year. So yeah, he, he could be I don't want to say he's gonna hit like four. He's not stuck no, freaking no. curry here, but <laughs> yeah, I mean two point five in a mm. best case scenario. Like again for the fantasy basketball listeners out there he's a guy that i've been aggressively targeting in like the 80 to 90 range because i think he's going to be sneaky good yeah he could he could come up at 200 223s yeah yeah i mean he's probably the team's best three-point shooter uh, you know assuming <laughs> who knows with joel Embiid based on all those workout videos <laughs> oh god it's Here, paying dividends yeah. already it's, it's starting <laughs> did you guys see the ringer video Yes, he and Beats it. He likes it, so <laughs> if he likes it, I like it. And I, I feel like we need to just touch briefly on Sam Hankey going on Twitter yesterday and saying for the first time ever that he is in Palo Alto. He is going to be a guest speaker in Stanford. Uh, I, I, I'm just glad he's alive and well. I, I wish him nothing but the best, <laughs> and I want him back in Philadelphia soon insert you know music from the church right yeah <laughs> right yeah the angels yeah. are coming down from the heavens sam hankey has tweeted from a starbucks <laughs> and then he becomes the gm of someone else fleeces everyone and wins a championship with them oh god and yeah. yeah oh no he's i'm pretty sure he's just plotting how to overthrow adam silver as commissioner that's his next step oh, oh. man <laughs> All right, enough with Sixers conspiracy theories. You guys will hear plenty of that this year. Let, let's turn to the Raptors, who had their first Eastern Conference Finals berth ever last year. Uh, had a couple big losses in the offseason, notably Bisbeck Biombo, but they retained DeMar DeRozan. So let's start there. Guys, do you think he lives up to that huge new contract? No. <laughs> I didn't want to I mean, say did it. Did he but learn yeah. to shoot? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I like DeMar DeRozan. I'm not going to crap on him. That's that's harsh. Look, here's the thing. He was so easily taken out of games during the, the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's 
kind of amazing the Raptors made it all the way to the conference finals. Mm-hmm. He shot, and I'm, this is off the top of my head, so I might be wrong, 15.4% from downtown during the playoffs. That sounds yeah, right. It was, and, it was miserable. It was really bad. I believe his true shooting percentage was down in the mid-40s, maybe even low-40s, I don't remember. He was so easy to take out of games. And coincidentally, uh, Kyle Lowry followed suit. I think yeah. that's an, you know that's not normal. Uh, I don't expect him to, to be a bad shooter in the playoffs on, on any other circumstance. But $145 million to DeMar DeRozan, I mean, they had to do it. They mm-hmm. couldn't just lose him for nothing, and he could just still score. He averaged almost 24 last year, and he did it kind of in an efficient way. He got to the line a lot, and he maximized that, you know, his ability to hit mid-range shots. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a lot to invest in a guy who you know, can be pretty good in the regular season and be meh in the, in the playoffs. I'm not sure he builds on it. That's kind of my main concern. Yeah. What about you, Sarah? What do you think? Well, I agree with Morton. I just, you know, like I said, he wasn't even in the first round. He didn't even get to the free throw line that much, right? He, he, at least early in the round. So, yeah. I And I think the Biombo loss is, is going to be a little bigger than maybe we realize. I mean, did they really replace what he does? Do they have somebody who's going to be like an animal on the boards like that? Jared Sollinger, he's probably going to be 380 pounds by now. And then he's just... <laughs> You can't throw him away. <laughs> so, yeah, like, personally, they're, like, middle-of-the-road watchable for me just because their style of play is not aesthetically pleasing to me, and DeMar is a big part of that. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, DeMar, but, yeah. But, you know, I love Kojo, so that's exciting. They still have that's Corey. True. That's true. Yeah, uh, Damari Carroll, hopefully, will stay on the floor. Yeah, so they'll be all right. They'll be fine. They're just not thrilling, in my opinion. That's fair. I think. I mean, you know, people would probably say that about your Spurs for most exactly. of the past twenty years. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> you could have a fifty-win team, and no one wants to watch you. It's, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. So, I, here's sorry, a hot take ahead, about Martin. Corey Joseph. Is just to build on Sarah's point. And if he continues to just be so flat-out awesome as he is. Will the Raptors eventually consider trading either Kyle or DeMar to let Corey just take over one of those positions? When is Kyle's contract, though? He re-signed, like, not last year, but the year before, right? I don't remember. I'm going to go look really quickly. Yeah. I feel like... DeMar's contract is for five years. Yeah, he's there forever. Yeah. But Kyle's also 30... Like, he's not a spring chicken anymore. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's probably... Corey Joseph's going to be the one who got away for for ever. Like, he's the yeah. one guy I really wanted. Uh, oh, here but we like, go. Oh, no. Lowry, he is signed $12 million this year, player option of $12 million next year. So he's going to be a free agent oh, he's next gone. year. Yeah, he's he, gone. Yeah, he's turning that down, so... There you oh, well, go. Could this be could be a, the last stand. I mean, it seems like he really likes being there, so I'd be surprised if he chose to leave. Yeah. But and... if the if the Raptors like totally lowball him in negotiations, I feel like it's a possibility at least. They probably won't dare, given that they just gave Demar 145, though. Right. I yeah. I mean, that's that's going to be the argument. That's going to be well, we committed to Demar. We might as well commit to to Kyle. But yeah. the thing is, like, 
I've seen over the summer a lot of people crab on Corey because of his percentages. But my argument is he played a career high in minutes, and he was mm-hmm. in a new town, or not? Any, well, he's used to Canada, but he was under a new team, a new structure. Yep. I mean, you know, hey, relax. It takes time to adjust, and yeah. I think he could come out swinging this year. Yeah, he could become truly terrific. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's some possible six man of the year potential there. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so we you guys already touched on it a little bit, but Jared Sullinger is the one guy I'm keeping my eye on because it sounds like, from what I've seen, the Raptors are planning on starting him at the four. Do you think he redeems himself after a down year in Boston? Since I finished my last sentence, he's probably grown to about 410 pounds, <laughs> so I don't, I, I'm not really... No, you know what? I'm being really mean right now. That's unnecessary, <laughs> but look, oh, here's gosh. the thing. I, I just I have a problem with guys who understand the situation that they're in and doesn't do anything about it. Like, how many times did Boston try to get him to lose weight? They even, I, I believe, I even believe his family and friends had an intervention for him. Oh, boy. Uh, you know, telling me you, you need to... You, and that was before last year. Like, you had to come in and you had to do the work. You had to lose weight. And he mm-hmm. came in and he had his worst year ever and he ballooned. I just don't find that very professional. I think that's why nobody really wanted him on the market. I mean, the Raptors took him, but for $6 million in one year. That yeah. They were not going to invest long-term in Solinger. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I understand the intrigue in Solinger. Like, he can hit the three on occasion. Yeah. But he's still, like, what, a 27% career shooter? It's, it's He's grossly overrated, is my point. And... I, yeah, if they start him, I, I'm not sure what the hell they're doing. I, from what I saw, this was a month or two ago, so I could oh, be okay. wrong. But that that was the plan as of now, was they were going to go into training camp with him as the starter, and then they're like, if he loses it, he loses it. But uh-huh. uh, I mean, I did see a picture of him recently, and he looked somewhat in shape. So, oh, really? Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure I did. I, I then think... I take my comments back because yeah. I can only support a guy who actually does something about it. And if this was a wake-up call for Jared, then good on him. I mean, Kyle Lowry last summer, you know, he went from – he was never overweight, but he went from, you know – Oh, he, he went into training. He went into training camp, and there was the skinny Kyle Lowry meme that went around, and then he had a career year. So maybe, I mean, yeah, I think you said it more. It could be a wake up call that you know, look at how much money got thrown around in free agency this summer, and this dude only got six million. Like that's, and uh, he was baiting. He was fishing for a max the year before. Yeah, he was right, actually right. out there vocal about, "Oh, I'm getting a max, or not? I'm getting one." But that was he was kind of thinking that my value is in the ballpark of a max deal. Yeah, not really. But everyone is saying that these days. Have yeah. you noticed? Like everyone believes because max contracts are handed out like candy. Everyone seems to think, "Oh, I'm a I'm a max guy." Yeah, that, that's a whole <laughs> different discussion. That's that's the 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 limit on. The salary. If they had a higher percentage for each max, you would not see mm-hmm. as many "quote unquote" max players anymore. But we we could go rant about that some other time. Any other big thoughts about the Raptors, or should we move on to our last team in the Atlantic? I want to ask Sarah a question because they have a very talented big man who plays near the rim. Ooh, <laughs> yes, please do. Jonas Valanciunas. I personally see him as a guy who can really 
really take a step forward this year. I've been waiting on him to explode. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the year that he does. And Sarah, I know you like the big men who plays near, near the rim. So what are your thoughts on Jonas? And don't <laughs> worry, he's not going to leave. I really like Valanciunas. I've always liked him. I feel like they should give him the ball more than they do. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, we saw what happened in the playoffs when they were using him. Especially on the pick and roll, he was great. So, give the guy the ball. Let him take some pressure off DeMar and everybody else. Yeah, I, I love yeah. the guy. And, you know, <laughs> I should admit this to you because... I thought when you said that I was going to be bummed out about every big guy leaving or whatever, that, <laughs> oh, that was an exaggeration, and that's just Morton being Morton. But when you guys were talking about Embiid and you said, all he has to do is worry about defense, really, I, I really legitimately got sad thinking about how we don't have an anchor to our defense anymore. <laughs> so that's that's where I am right now. Yeah. You guys, get excited for the Spurs preview because it's just going to be like 20 <laughs> minutes of Sarah crying. Morton being Morton, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but I, I mean, I, I'm with you guys. I think JB's gonna have a a big year. It does oh. baffles the mind why they haven't turned to him more. But hopefully, this is the year where they actually will play him. I don't think he's top 30 minutes per game. No, in no. his first couple seasons, right? No, yeah. absolutely correct. They yeah. should give him like three or four of the shots that DeRozan takes. Like, yeah. instead of seeing Demar take three or four contested twos a game just don't just drop it down to jonas i know the post up is old-fashioned whatnot but that dude is good he said just don't (laughs) you're right though why not get a high percentage shot like seriously (sighs) yeah it it boggles the mind so we'll, we'll hope dwayne casey wakes up and plays jv a little more maybe the loss of biombo will make him do that especially once Jared Selinger bricks his hundredth three of the year, like, yeah. oh god, that was so horrible. To watch <laughs> Sorry, Jared, I'm really ragging on you, dude. But yeah, I, I have faith, Jared. I think you're going to be great with the Raptors this year. Make that money, buddy. All right, let's turn to the last team. Who? I mean, they made the biggest move of anyone in the division. The Boston Celtics with Al Horford now. Are they the biggest threat to the Cavs in the East? Yeah. But here's the thing, though. You send over a um, like a lineup or not a line. You, you had like the, their off-season moves, right? Yeah. And you, you had incoming and outgoing and whatnot. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I look at that incoming list, and I see Al Horford, and I appreciate Al Horford. But for some reason, what really sticks out whenever I see that incoming list is no Jimmy Butler, no Kevin Durant. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm being really harsh right now, but that's what I'm thinking. Like, they went into this summer... And with huge plans. Like, we did a draft block over at B-Ball Breakdown. Yep. And yep. We, had, we had James Hollis, uh, <laughs> snotty dripping on Twitter. He and I had debated a little bit, and there were a lot of rumors about the Celtics and Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. And James, uh, I, I said, well, James, what would you give up for Jimmy Butler? And how many picks would you give up? And James was like, take all the goddamn picks. Like, take them all. <laughs> yeah take them all just and he was furious when when like they took Jalen Brown because that meant that there was not going to be any trade for Jimmy yeah because the Bulls wanted Chris Dunn and like I you know the pressure on Jalen Brown right now has to be huge yeah yeah especially after how good Chris Dunn looked in summer league 
Yeah, it's not just Chris Dunn. He's competing now with Chris Dunn, Jimmy Butler, and to some extent, Kevin Durant. Yeah. Welcome to the NBA, Rook. <laughs> and he, he is, you know, he's very athletic, but the knock against him is that he's pretty raw in terms of an actual basketball player. So, I don't know. I mean, they lost Evan Turner, which is, you know, Sixers fans may laugh out loud at that, but he was a big piece to their puzzle last year, and I think Brown will have some sort of a role, but I, I don't see him displacing Jay Crowder in the starting lineup, right? So then maybe you play him at the four? But I, see, I don't really see a place where he's going to thrive in a high-impact role as a rookie. No. He does have potential. A lot of potential, I'll give him that, because when you are as athletic as he is, then you will have that. And he looked pretty damn decent in Summer League at Mm -hmm. times. There were these flashes. So I'm not, you know, admittedly, I was down on Jalen Brown um, prior to the draft. He was one of, he was probably my least favorite top 10 pick, uh, or projected top 10 pick, I should say. Yeah. But I'm not going to sit here and say he's, he doesn't have any talent. He's got loads of it. It's just about putting it together. Like, yeah. his jump shot needs to come come along. He needs to be able to hit free throws. And I believe Brad Stevens can work miracles. Yeah. I genuinely believe that he is not of this earth. Um, So we could see what he can squeeze out of Brown this year, and then we can build from there. But uh, it's just not what the, this, the, the Celtics wanted, though. Right. Yeah, let me go on a two-minute rant about this whole asset hoarding thing, and then, Sarah, I'm going to turn to you, and you're going to tell us how Horford fits to end on a positive note here. But uh, I remember that live blog we did, and James is rightfully furious, because at a certain point, and I think he wrote a post at B-Ball Breakdown about this after the draft, and like after the Celtics didn't make any moves this summer, you accumulate assets, I mean... Everyone's taking after what Houston did with James Harden. You accumulate all these assets, so you eventually trade for a superstar. But if you don't ever budge on your asking price, or like your the price that you're willing to give up for a really talented player, then the assets depreciate after a while. Like those Nets picks, I mean, the one this year looks great still, but next year's might not be at you know as good as they anticipated because Sean Marks is now running the team and he's not a complete bumbling imbecile like Billy King is. So all of a sudden, right now you have a roster that has too many players. Like you're probably going to have to cut James Young, who is a, you know, he, who knows what he is because you haven't had a chance to play him. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if he gets cut, he's going to find his way onto another team immediately. So at a certain point, you're like, you're getting, you're, you're at a point of saturation with all of these clicks and players that you've accumulated and you need to make a move. But Danny Ainge is apparently just so damn stubborn in all of his trade talks that he refuses not... It's not even he refuses to make a fair deal. It's like he seemingly refuses to not... Like, if he's not ripping someone off, he doesn't yeah. want to do a deal. That's not how it works. Like you, you have all these assets. Just make a damn fair deal. Give something up of value. Like You're not going to get a superstar for nothing. So there's my rant about the Celtics. I, I I want to like them, but at that at this point, it's they just frustrate me so much that I hope 
nothing but the worst for them. So Sarah, end <laughs> on a positive note. Tell me, tell me something good about Al Horford. Yeah, going back to your big man infatuation. How is Al Horford going to fit in Boston? <laughs> and he's not leaving. He can. He can. He can't be traded until mid December. So don't worry. <laughs> First of all, I want to point out that I really enjoyed the way that you said imbecile, like a 007 villain saying missile. <laughs> <laughs> I'm heading to the domicile. We're going to fire the missile. That was as someone, awesome. As someone with experience as Billy King, with Billy King as a general manager, I feel like I've earned that right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't take that from you. Okay. I mean, Horford is, what, a huge upgrade on Seliger? He's yeah. gonna, you know, he's gonna do the pick and pop, hit the mid range jumpers for you. He's gonna rebound. Um, ish. I mean, ish, yes, but but uh, like you guys were saying, I mean, you still look at it. Like I was just looking at the roster, half forgetting about Horford, but even you know, knowing that they got him, which is a big deal for them, you do look at it and think, but who else did they add? Like, like mm-hmm. why is there nobody else here? Obviously. You know, I don't want to fault them for not get, getting Durant, but, you know, I mean, it's hard to get superstars, but theoretically it should be a little easier. It's not like they're a small market team and they're a storied franchise, but I don't know. They, it still feels like they're missing that one other piece, but... But yeah. they brought Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They're still highly watchable, though, because, first of all, Brad Stevens is going to drop some plays, and that's always yeah. worth tuning in for. Um, IT2 is hella watchable, so yep. and they're gonna be fun, um, yeah. and they're gonna be a good team. Like I said, they they could be a threat potentially to the Cavs, <laughs> even though we saw the Cavs come back from death. So <laughs> I mean, they're kind of a, a step above right now, but yeah, Horford's gonna be a good fit for sure. Yeah, that that should be our weekly reminder that the Warriors did in fact blow a three-one lead in the finals. <laughs> I feel like we will be mentioning that quite frequently this yeah. year. And deservedly so. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Yes, yes. First team ever to do it, in case you guys didn't know. <laughs> and at the most crucial stage of the season. No right. worries. Right. No worries. Okay, so we're going to wrap things up here with some division predictions. And then we're also, we'll are also do some standings uh, and then a couple preliminary awards. So, Morton, I want to hear from you first. Give me your projected standings in the Atlantic. Well, I have yours on an email right in front of me, and I agree entirely. That's Boston number one, Toronto two, New York three, Philly four, and Brooklyn fifth. I think that's that's it's it might actually be the most safest division Mm -hmm. to preview uh, or to predict uh, the standings. I think. Yeah, I mean a lot. You know, I, I actually had trouble with between Boston and Toronto. Uh, because Toronto played so well last year. And, you know, they get Damari Carroll back, who didn't play all that much last year. So it's... That's true. He He's not, like, technically a free agent addition. They added him last year, but it's almost like a, you know, that that's a big free agent-esque acquisition that they just didn't have that much last year. So I, I'm not super sold. Like, I don't think Boston is running away with the division, but I think they Boston and Toronto are a clear one and two, like, Miles ahead of everyone else. The Knicks are the clear three as long as they don't just get totally wiped out by injuries. And then yeah. Philly and Brooklyn are at the bottom. I just think Philly's going to be a little more competitive. Uh, Sarah, you've been alluding to these watchability rankings <laughs> throughout the podcast. Give us your watchability rankings 
for all five teams here. Okay, so uh, if I just ranking them as this division, I would say Sixers number one. Yeah. <laughs> Celtics, Raptors, Knicks, Nets. Like it. Although you you tried to tear me apart a little bit because I got on and Morton immediately said, "Okay, Nets should be dead last," and then Brian's like, "I think they're going to be sneaky fun." <laughs> yeah, I do. I really do. Hey, they could be. They could. Yeah. be. I will concede that. I think the fact that they don't have a first round pick to tank for means they'll <laughs> actually try. So that'll be good. Uh, Morton, how many playoff teams do you think come out of this division? Two. And also, you know, Boston and Toronto. Yep. <laughs> Sarah, you agree? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Okay, we'll move right on. Who's the coach of the year in the division? It's kind of boring agreeing so much, Brian, but Brad Stevens. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Brad, yeah. yeah. Although I want to give a shout-out to, to Brett. Uh, he finally has some pieces to play with. And yeah, so that's true. Hopefully he'll show his stuff a little bit. I know. I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can do. Because, you know, in 2014-15, they had... I think they were tied for 12th in defensive rating, and they had Nerlens and then a bunch of D-League guys. So, like, it's going to be fun to see what he could do with a roster of actual players. Um, all right, this one should be divisive because I'm even torn on it. Who is the MVP of the division? Well, I want you to go first, though, because want... I'm going to throw you a curveball. Oh, mm-hmm. boy. Okay, so I'm legitimately torn here between Al Horford and Kyle Lowry. Kyle played so freaking well last year, and I don't think anything's going to change this year. I just think Al Horford's going to get that, you know, uh, people don't actually vote on division MVPs. Let's just make that clear. But in MVP voting, uh, guys in new situations tend to get a little bit of a bump. So I think for that reason... I would go with Horford just like inches ahead of Lowry, but I think they're neck and neck. What what about you? Well, let me just preface this by saying that you don't have to be a specifically good team for for this MVP, for this particular (laughs) MVP. I have Kristaps Porzingis. And here's why. Because we, we've talked about the Knicks, and we have Derrick Rose and Joakim Noah and Carmelo Anthony all drawing the headlines, right? Yeah. Those are the guys that's going to be written about, talked about. Stephen A. Smith is going to scream about them, all that <laughs> stuff. And that means that Kristaps Porzingis won't have the weight of the media sh- the, on his shoulders. He can pick and pop. He can run the floor. And he can utilize all this defensive attention put on Rose and Melo. And just be be free, move freely, shoot, attack, drive. I think he could wrap up the year with a you know seventeen points, nine rebounds, a couple of blocks, a true shooting percentage in the high fifties. That's MVP esque for that division. Damn, you, your your mentions are going to be flooded with Knicks fans praising you for that one. <laughs> oh, I don't have that many followers. <laughs> One will catch wind. One will figure out someone, somewhere, someone talked about the Knicks and praised them. So we must swarm like hornets to his mentions and praise him just the same. Sarah, how about you? Who do you think comes out as the MVP of the division? Jeremy Lin. Whoa! Okay. I don't know if I'm serious about that, but he really might be the most valuable player (laughs) to that team. I mean, what else? If he wasn't there... What he's gonna hold that together pretty much by himself. 
Yeah. Um, but you know what? I, I'm going to go with Isaiah Thomas. I think he's going to have Ooh. a big year, and Horford's going to take a little bit of that pressure off of him and be the guy that he can dump it to. So, yeah, I'm going to go with him. I like, I it. like you, it. You guys like shamed it. me. I went the conventional route, but you guys had way more fun picks. <laughs> All right, so we're going to wrap things up here by bringing back our crush segment, and we're just going to do an Atlantic crush. So this is a player who isn't necessarily – MVP caliber, uh, but someone that we're really excited to watch this year. And Morton, I'm going to start with you. Who is your crush in the Atlantic Division? We actually talked about him earlier, and I praised him as Courtney Lee. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a really good so choice. I, I, I don't think it's necessary to, to you know, go into explain it. <laughs> further. We already praised him That's for fair. about what what feels like ten minutes. That's fair, Sarah. Do you have a crush that you're looking forward to? Like, I'm shuffling between three right now. <laughs> so, so it's hard for me to pick one. A girl med- always have a so- has options. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Got to keep it open. Um, I was going to go a sixer. And I was kind of between Dario and Sergio. Ooh. But you know what? two good ones. Maybe I'll leave that open for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with something that I'd like to see happen. And I'm going to pick RJ Hunter. I know he didn't get to play much last wow. year. He may not play this year. I don't know what's going to happen. But if he could develop into that kind of J.J. Reddick, Courtney Lee role where mm-hmm. he figures out how to bring his game to the NBA, um, that would be exciting. I'd like to see him do that. So that's I what like I hope that. for. Sarah with the girl balls. I like that. <laughs> that's good. That's really good, actually. Archie Hunter. I, didn't, I mean, look, of all the players there, right. I I didn't even think about him. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. That is a good one. That is a good one. Thank you. By the way, Dario and Sergio, that's a reality show waiting to happen. Right <laughs> Dude, we have so many reality shows on the Sixers waiting to happen. Ben and JoJo, that was almost The Bachelor. That was almost the couple <laughs> in The Bachelor. We totally could just have those. T- I mean, and they seem to be like best friends. Cause they, did you guys see they went to the Eagles game, the mm-hmm. first Eagles oh, yeah. game last week? and. <laughs> Joelle is wearing the swoop hat. It's like, this is the stuff of my dreams. I'm pretty sure. Where you you might actually have already <laughs> inceptioned me like two weeks ago, and I think I'm still dreaming because there is that, that exceeded any reasonable hope I had about the Sixers, just that one picture. You uh, also have Jared and Gerald. That's true. Yeah. yeah this is it. a fun roster. Like, yeah. naming-wise, so many memes is going to sprout up this year. <laughs> so, oh, man. My crush. I really, I'm like, I'm with you, Sarah. I've got a lot. I mentioned Robert Covington earlier, so I'm not going to say him. Uh, Jay Crowder, I think, is a little too conventional, but I am excited to see him, too. I just really love those 3 and D guys, and I think Crowder especially. Like, that dude, he emerged as such a steal. The fact he's only going to get paid $7 million for the next four years, like each of the next four years, is absurd. And it's going to enable Boston to have far more flexibility with their roster if Danny Range ever decides to actually make a move. But the guy I'm going with is Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Yeah, that's a good one. Because he, you know, he broke his foot early last year, uh, came back toward the end of last year, and actually played pretty well. Didn't shoot the three ball all that well, but that's to be expected. That was kind of his reputation coming out of college. Uh, He reminds me of, like, a poor man's MKG in a way. Oh, I was just thinking about that. Yeah. That's a good one, bro. Yeah. So, I mean, 
I you know that we talked about earlier that Nets roster is just so devoid of talent and of scoring threats that I feel like they're going to put him in a bigger role than he would have on most teams. But I actually think he might do well with that. So I'm excited to see what he can make of the opportunity ahead of him. Yeah. And I also own him in a fantasy basketball dynasty. <laughs> so I'm sure that doesn't influence my decision making at all. I think if he can develop a better sense of ball handling, he's already a pretty good ball handler given his size and age. But if he can improve upon it a little bit more, mm-hmm. he, he could become one of those pseudo point forwards who might have a problem shooting the ball, but could, can at least initiate the offense and attack off the dribble. Like he's one yeah. of those guys who's athletic enough enough to like take the ball off the backboard and then just speed up the court and if he finds an opening he'll get there yeah i i like his potential i really do i do too i really think the nets found the steal uh what was he 23rd last year so i i mean that's you know at worst he's just gonna be a lockdown wing defender which you already need like he's basically a slightly taller tony allen at worst but you know he's he's got some intriguing potential yeah. Without the crazy. Yeah, right, without the crazy. <laughs> That's true. All right, well, this has been another episode of the NBA Podcast, previewing the Atlantic Division for 2016-17. Join us next time for another division preview. We will be previewing the Central Division with Morton's Bulls. Until then, I'm Brian Teporek. I was joined by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. Guys, it's great to talk to you again. Definitely. Likewise, Brian. All right, take it easy. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine & More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine & More. And more. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in-store or online at TotalWine.com. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids' and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clothes. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.